This episode of How Your World Works is brought to you by Braintree. Looking to set up payments for your business? Braintree gives your app or website a payment solution that accepts just about every method of payment with one simple integration. Plus, we'll give you your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com useful. That's braintreepayments.com useful. And How Your World Works is sponsored by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper mattresses come with free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. And right now, you can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com world and using the promo code world. This is How Your World Works. I'm your host, Kevin Dupsik. Okay, confession time. I have never gotten a flu shot. I don't mean this year. I mean ever. I've never gotten a flu shot. And I don't actually think I've ever had the flu. But every year, we get into fall, and I always feel a tiny bit like I'm being looked upon with suspicion. I feel like I'm doing okay, though. And in fact, in favor of my approach is this. A new flu vaccine has to be made every year. It's designed to match the flu vaccine that the Centers for Disease Control expects to see, and that involves some amount of guesswork, and sometimes they don't get it exactly right. On today's show, we're going to hear about another um, interesting approach to health, courtesy of executive editor Peter Martin. He calls it the safe hand, so make of that what you will. That's what we're going to do, and then we're going to tell you if it's stupid or amazing. And helping us out is special guest A.J. Jacobs, New York Times bestselling author of, among other books, Drop Dead Healthy, One Man's Quest for Bodily Perfection. After that, Dr. Joseph Brzee, the chief of the epidemiology and prevention branch of the CDC's influenza division. Editorial assistant Lara Sorokonich is going to talk to Dr. Brzee about the flu, the vaccine, and why I'm kind of being a moron. So now we're going to play our favorite game, Stupid or Amazing. And Peter, since it's basically your whole life's philosophy at risk, I'm going to let you take it from here. Okay. So for today's Stupid or Amazing, we have a very special celebrity guest. It's a New York Times bestselling author and possible germaphobe, AJ Jacobs. That's true. I am recovering germaphobe. I still have it, but not quite as bad. Do you? Is that because of children or what? Yeah, children. I got a dog. It's like I've just given up. It's basically I gave up. I know I'm going to die of a horrible disease, so just uh, accept that. <laughs> um, and then also, Jackie Detweiler, our Hi. senior editor. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm here to. I'm here to. I'm not a germaphobe. <laughs> I'm the opposite of a germaphobe. A German. Bracer. I've never licked a subway pole, but I would <laughs> for enough money. <laughs> My kids uh, licked the New York pavement once, oh. so that was one of them. Not all of them. For money. No, it was that they dropped their ice cream, scoop of ice cream, <laughs> and they just got down on the floor, on the pavement, and on a forest, and just went at it. Did you let them go? I mean, I got to them as quickly as I could, but they're fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so to set up the Super Amazing today, it's actually a approach to life that I have embraced in the last couple of years of living in New York. Um, I don't care to touch the subway poles, and so I love when it's cold enough that I can wear gloves and I don't have to do it. But the rest of the time, if I have to touch the subway pole, I've decided I just use my right hand. My right hand is my world interaction hand. So subway poles, handshakes, bathroom doors, regular doors. That way, later on in the day when I have a beard and I tend to stroke it a lot, as anyone with a beard does, uh, when I'm touching my face or if I want to eat or if I find myself scratching my eye, I'm not worried because it's my left hand. (laughs) It is my safe hand, and I know that I didn't bring anything with me that's there. I feel like I have so many problems with this. <laughs> Let's hear them. Well, the first one is, do you not ever touch your hands to each other? Like, do you ever clap? And so you've 
found one flaw. <laughs> <laughs> I don't traditionally clap. Well, can't you do the uh, snap clap or yeah. the golf clap? Or like, or British. like the floor thing, like yeah. the beat poets. I don't know what kind of lives you guys lead that you're clapping every day. No, but for, am I touching my, my hands to each I other right now? Actually, I'm also. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but I have <laughs> right hand is outside left, so maybe that's a, I've built that into my Yeah, I mean, I think, I feel like one of my, I have two arguments, two real big arguments against this, but the, the first one is that I think that touching things, get like, yes, it probably is useful during cold and flu season uh, to a degree. Washing your hands is very important, and if you touch a subway pole and then touch your face, you're probably more likely to get the flu. Um, but if somebody coughs in front of you or, or you brush into somebody's bag, I just feel like it's so much easier for germs to get on you than you'd guess. Um, so it's like, even if you don't touch a subway pole, if you, if someone breathes, if someone coughs or breathes or sneezes in your vicinity, your left hand still might be contaminated. So how much help are you, you know, washing your hands frequently is probably so you more. Should, you should only breathe out of the left nostril. <laughs> <laughs> what about that? Maybe Don't, that's Sounds a little more challenging, but. Well, I I fully support Peter in everything he does because <laughs> I've known him for like 20 years. I don't know, some a long time. I did stack the deck a little bit. I'm sorry. Yeah, so special guest. AJ I think Jacobs. he is a genius. It is, uh, uh, it is absolutely brilliant. I will say there are. <laughs> I agree with Jack. One thing is that means you cannot use your cell phone with your dirty hand, right? Uh, with your clean hand, because cell phones have like. You know, 18 times the the germs uh, on a than on a toilet seat in a public restroom, and that was some statistic in like some newspaper. <laughs> so who knows if it's true? But it was printed. I didn't pull that number out of my head. So you are going to have to be very. You basically have to hold one of your hands up in the air and not touch anything in the world with it. Is that? Is that possible? I don't think that's possible. I thought I had predicted the cell phone problem. Yeah. And I had a response for it. But that is only in that I now have to use my left hand to work my cell phone, which I'm not as good at. So that's one of the shortcomings oh, of so this you consider approach. that you consider the cell phone a cl clean? Well, I did until AJ. <laughs> <laughs> so now I won't be using my cell phone when I stand and hold the pole. I will say the big problem is, is the touching of the face. And uh, yeah, so if you can... For me, the ultimate would be a cone like dogs have when they have <laughs> fleas or whatever. That, if you can prevent yourself from touching your face. And the beard is interesting. I had a beard at one point, I remember. And, uh, yeah, I guess I did touch it. But I think the beard is okay because the germs, it's not like they hop up from <laughs> your beard into your nostril. It really is the eyes and the nose. The other problem that I have with it that is the, the whole hygiene hypothesis that everyone talks about, the doctors talk about, that the more frequently, especially as a child, the more frequently you encounter germs, the, le the fewer allergies you'll have, the fewer autoimmune disorders you'll have. And granted, it's still kind of theoretical, but I think there's a lot of support for it. And I actually, and just anecdotally, pretty much everyone I know who's kind of like me and isn't a germ-phobe and will just touch or, and or eat anything doesn't get sick as often as a lot of my other friends. And like that's a, obviously correlation does not imply causation. I used to be a scientist. I get it. But um, you wonder how much control over it you really have. Right. Um, and, and I feel like... It just seems it just seems like so much trouble to go to when like you you could be screwing it's yourself either way. Trouble. You know what I mean? Once, no? once you commit, it's no big deal. <laughs> your left hand is just your your safe your safe hand. Yeah, that's and, why it's named the way it is. And are you a righty or a lefty? I am right-handed. So, so it's uh, that's interesting. And the good thing nobody knows you're doing it. 
It's right. not unlike well, now the cone. We, now we do. <laughs> you guys know, and now it's uncomfortable. <laughs> but most people that I encounter don't know that I am practicing the safe hand technique. Interesting. And so they're not the offended. Patented Peter Martin safe hand <laughs> technique. Um, but if I offer my right hand to shake, that's normal. So well, you know what you could do is, you know, one of my books was about living by the rules of the Bible. And in the Bible, it actually says that men should not touch other women, first of all, when women are menstruating. But they also say don't touch other men if a man has had relations in the last day. So you can say, <laughs> like, I'm very religious and you don't want to touch anyone in case they've had relations. That, I think, might be a way to... Can I say that that's really annoying, by the way? I've rented, I've rented an apartment from somebody who followed that and wouldn't shake my hand and wouldn't touch me. And I was like, this is so annoying. Like, <laughs> come on, man. It's They're sweet of you to find you. his beliefs annoying. I know. I, I, want, I wanted to be like, you know, I'm, I'm not menstruating right now. Can I shake your hand now? Like, is that allowed? <laughs> well, Jerk. I would, like, that's what I would do. I would ask when I was doing it. I asked you did? women if they were menstruating did anyone punch you no they were all very <laughs> open I, and actually one woman was uh like she was 75 years old and she was like that is such a nice compliment <laughs> that you even asked me you know did you ask men if they had had yes relations i you would did. i wow. felt that was i know. would lie to you in that case just so you would respect me more of course yeah i was like which direction would you lie to women <laughs> i know yeah most of my friends at that point we had all kids who were like two years old so there was no Pretty problem safe. yeah you were safe <laughs> There was nothing happening. Do you know what something I do actually is when I walk by somebody who's, and this probably doesn't work at all. It's just like a natural thing. When I walk by somebody who sneezes or coughs like pretty close to me, I hold my breath oh, yeah. for like 15 or 20 seconds. Like as long, you know, not for a long time, but for a little while until I think the droplets are gone. Hmm. I don't know if that makes any difference or not. Like are they on my face? I don't know, but... <laughs> it probably doesn't, but for me, and this goes back to the safe hand, even if this is all in my head, I feel better. I am actively taking part in what I think is my health. That is great. Well, for me, that was one of the lessons I learned from writing a book about health. Like 90 percent of called? well, thank you. It's called <laughs> Drop Dead Healthy. Oh. And 90 yeah, percent <laughs> of medicine, I believe, is placebo effect. Like you know that you go and you do all these things, and you're going to be cured anyway because of time. Time cures most things, not everything. You know, cancer that's real, but most things are cured by time. So, I fully endorse your idea. For its placebo effect. If it makes you feel good, do it. Does it work the other way? I mean, if you believe that you're going to get sick, do you get yourself sick? Do more hypochondriacs get sick than non-hypochondriacs? I know that stress does. People who are, if you are stressed, you are more likely to get a cold. So, yeah, I guess so. You can worry yourself sick. Worry yourself sick. sick. Yeah. My grandma believes that. <laughs> but she's still around, so she's doing okay. Well, maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's not worrying. <laughs> and by the way, you cannot worry yourself sick. So you, you need the germs but you're more susceptible to the germs. Oh, okay. So I just don't a... want you guys to get angry emails. All right. I think it's probably pretty clear. We should probably go around and decide stupid oh, or yeah. amazing among us. Uh, it's probably clear that I still believe amazing. Um, even if it's placebo only, I like taking some sort of action yeah. to make myself feel like I am being healthier. I also like the idea of not worrying about when I last washed my hands. Great. Yeah. Um, I agree. I also don't worry about the last time I washed my hands, um, but I think it's stupid. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think germs are not always that bad. And as long as you're washing your hands during cold and flu season and, you know, not doing anything egregiously likely to, uh, cause illness, then you're probably fine. AJ? Yeah. 
Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I'm an unqualified supporter of Peter. So it is. But by the way, this binary of stupid and amazing, I'm not sure I buy it 100%. Because I do think things can be stupidly amazing or amazingly stupid. It's true. So I do find this somewhat stupid, but mostly amazing. I'll accept that. Right. I heard the word amazing in there. <laughs> uh, and so actually we're going to, in a stupid or amazing first, we are going to have an informed person cast the final vote. Um, so we're going to talk to Christopher Mason. He's a geneticist at the Weill Cornell Medical College in New York, and he headed up the study that maybe you guys heard about earlier this year where they swabbed the subway and examined it for bacteria and found a little anthrax and um, some bubonic plague that he says is that according to, <laughs> according to the study is not dangerous, but there were, there were very small levels of it there. Maybe um, I need to reconsider. So, yeah. yeah. Maybe after, after we have him weigh in, you'll want to. But we'll check in with him, and we'll let him be the, the final vote on this. Let's pause for just a moment and hear from one of our sponsors. This episode of How Your World Works is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy mobile payments. Maybe you're working on the next Uber, Airbnb, or GitHub. Why not use the same simple payment solutions that help them become what they are today? Braintree makes mobile payments so fast, easy, and seamless, it's almost magical. Add it to your app with just a few lines of code and you're instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo, credit cards, or even Bitcoin. And if some other way to pay comes along, we'll support that too. Braintree's fast payouts and continuous support mean you'll always be ready, whether you're earning your first dollar or your billionth. See fewer abandoned carts and more sales with Braintree's best-in-class mobile checkout experience. Check it out for yourself at braintreepayments.com useful. That's braintreepayments.com useful. Hey, Dr. Mason, it's Peter Martin calling Popular Mechanics. Uh, good, yes, I'm actually just calling you on my office line. Yes, hi, good, uh, good afternoon. I appreciate you hopping on the phone, and I'm sorry if I sounded like a complete idiot in that email. Maybe you think my theory is a terrible one, but um, that's why I wanted to talk to you and figure out how dumb it actually is. <laughs> sure, happy to help. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm just reading over your email again here. Uh, with only your right hand. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe is it easier if we kind of back up? Because I think what we what we also wanted to get at was just how scared of germs we should be in general life anyway. And so with what you studied on the subway, it seemed like it's not that big of a deal. Like we shouldn't be, I should not be freaking out about this to the level that I am. Yeah, so I'd say empirically we know, you know, today, I, I'd say, you know, five years ago, it was kind of a mystery. It was kind of anyone's guess as to what's normally present on surfaces. Uh, but today, after you know work from my lab and many others, it, you know a lot of the mystery has been revealed that the vast majority of microorganisms that are in us, on us, and around us are either um, you know not relevant for human health, so mm-hmm. they're just things that live in the environment, or they're uh, in some cases you know maybe beneficial because if you have a healthy microbiome, uh, they will outcompete uh, something that could be bad. Okay. Now, and as far as we know, there's been no documented case of someone actually getting. You know, uh, like he, like the guy who was on riding on the subway and he had Ebola. No one got Ebola, you know, as far as we know, from that guy. Um, there's been no real clear documented case of someone leaving a really horrible pathogen on the subway and getting it. But you know, that being said, it's still a good idea to wash your like flu season still exists. The the, the CDC recommendations for washing your hands uh, is still a good one. <laughs> well, I mean, so if someone is sick and I'm in the same room with them, am I breathing in the germs or is it landing on a surface? I'm touching that surface and then I'm touching some part of my body, an eye, an ear or whatever. And that's how the, the germ is transmitted. So there's a couple that you consider. So 
you know, the first question, I guess, is, okay, let's assume someone is sick, right? Let's say you're next to someone, you see someone, like, coughing, sneezing, they got red eyes, they look like they're sick. Yeah. You know, the first thing you should tell them is, like, you should probably be home, right? You know, that's the first thing. Um, then the thing is, okay, if they're coughing, how likely are you to get sick? If they're coughing and they're phlegm and they're hawking things up, um, you know, when they cough, viruses will go through the air, and air particles and then land on surfaces. Uh, but if it's an RNA virus, so, for example, influenza is an RNA virus. There's other ones. Uh, Ebola, for example, is an RNA virus. HIV is an RNA virus. So RNA viruses are not that stable. They will not live more than, you know, minutes to, you know, tens of minutes. Some viruses are hardier and last longer, and different strains last longer. But for the most part, uh, there's no good reason to think that if you come back to the room, like, the next day, uh, that if you had five sick people in there, that, 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 that all the viruses would still be there. Most of them would probably be degraded um, or, it, you know, not, not infectious anymore. If it's naked viral DNA, it won't last that long, you know, and really not more than... Uh, minutes, dozens of minutes. Um, but if someone coughs and then you happen to touch the surface as soon as it lands there, uh, then the question is, well, will you get sick? And so that depends on, this gets back to your healthy microbiome. Like the, if your skin is a beautiful natural barrier that's already present to keep you safe. You know, and the thing about the influenza virus, it wants to infect human cells. It wants your cells, right? So, and this is one of those cases where your microbiome is doing you a big service uh, in a couple of ways. One, if it's a viral infection, it actually won't necessarily get through your microbiome, like your shield. Uh, second is if it's a bacterial infection, it may not be able to compete and actually colonize your skin or get in into your body because it's out be out competed by your normal flora. So okay. that, that's why in most cases, if you're healthy, if you have a good immune system, uh, if you've got a good microbiome that's already present, it'll it'll actually to some degree keep you safe. So, um, but that's the difference in eating. So that's your skin. If you do eat something or breathe it in, it lands on you. Those are more mucous membranes. They're much more vulnerable. If you have an open wound, that also makes you more vulnerable. So there are some things that are more vulnerable. Yeah. Um, well, I guess what most of you, what most of what you've told me so far, has convinced me that my using my right hand all the time to interact with the world theory is stupid. Um, would you? Well, there is. It's not. It's not uh, because there, you, you actually do have a bit a kernel of truth there. Um, you know, the things that you're trying to avoid is like your eyes or eating. Uh, you know, those are different membranes than your skin, which has a, a an already sort of really good barrier to the world. Right. So you are, it's not irrational. It's actually, um, it's just probably not necessary 99.99% of the time, right? So, uh, but, you know, if you're worried about that one time, but I mean, the, the, the bigger thing to use, I guess, would be like your eyes. Like in general, uh, if you see someone like really coughing a lot, and, you know, look like they're really sick, you probably should be, that would be a good time to use that policy. Yeah. Uh, but most times you're just walking around the world, talking to people, most people aren't sick and most surfaces don't don't you know aren't a harbinger of death so um so yeah should be fine most of the time so the chances of that bathroom door handle or the subway pole or even you know like my desk if someone touched it actually having an active germ or bacteria on it it's pretty low that would that would get to me yep that would be pathogenic that's right a lot of the they are without question teeming with life like they have active bacteria that are there uh, some of them are even antibiotic resistance, as we've shown, but uh, but that's normal. They're just basically like bacteria hanging out, trying to live in the world just like you are. So, uh, they're most of them are not out to get you, I guess. So this is bad news for the uh, people that are paranoid. Yeah, and so if you're just washing your hands, you're probably accomplishing the same thing that I am by trying not to touch these services in the first place. That's right. You should, as long as you have like a good, you don't have open wounds, right, and you've got a good microbiome. If you just wash your hands when you get home, maybe you do the same thing pretty right. much. Uh, yeah. But so again, it's not irrational. It's just uh, statistically not uh, a best use of mental energy. Say, but, uh, <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Mason, for getting on the phone with us uh, today. Uh, my pleasure. Okay, let's pause right there and hear from one of our sponsors. 
Can I take a moment to talk about something I'm passionate about? I'm from California, and even though I live in New York now, I've been happy to see they're finally getting some of the water they need. But recently, the Boyle Heights neighborhood in LA got caught in dangerous flash flooding. Cars underwater, basements underwater, the works. How did that happen in a city in a desert, you might ask? Well, let me tell you. A mattress clogged a storm drain. A mattress. The lesson, as always, a mattress can be a nuisance. Which is why I suggest you look into Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper's obsessively engineered latex foam and memory foam mattresses cost between $500 for a twin and $950 for a king. Compare that to $1,500 for most premium mattresses. Plus, they're made in America, and they come in a charming box that I can't picture ever possibly clogging a drain. So take advantage of Casper's 100-day free trial and return policy. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com world and using promo code world. That's www.casper.com world with the promo code world. Terms and conditions apply. We're talking to Joe Brizzy. He is the chief of epidemiology at, and prevention at the CDC. And so we are trying to find out a little bit about the flu. Uh, flu season is coming up and we're hearing a lot about getting your flu shots. Uh, and just to start, how effective is the flu vaccine uh, every year at preventing cases of the flu? Year in and year out, the average flu vaccine will work about 50 to 70 percent of the time. So if you get the vaccine, you're 50 to 70 percent uh, less likely on average to be to get flu, to be hospitalized for flu, maybe to die from the flu. And so uh, while it's modestly effective compared to some other vaccines we're used to, uh, it, it's, it's crucial as a, as a preventive strategy. Given that the flu changes every year, how far in advance do you start planning out what flus you're going to be vaccinating for? And how long does it take to produce all those vaccines? We look for flu all over the world all year round. So there's about 140 different labs around the world in about 110 or so countries around the world that do surveillance for flu and send viruses to one of five what we call WHO collaborating centers uh, that look at the viruses, look at the proteins on the surface, look at the genes, and one of those labs is at CDC in Atlanta. So those five groups then get together twice a year, once in February uh, and once in, uh, in September. For the Northern Hemisphere vaccine, uh, the February meeting is crucial. So at that meeting, Everybody gets together, everybody looks at the viruses that they've collected over the last year and thinks about what will be the next the virus 10 months later in the Northern Hemisphere flu vaccine in the fall in the U.S., for instance. And so it, it about in February, we, we select viruses that go into a vaccine. The vet manufacturers start to make it in February and usually have their first doses rolling off the assembly line in August or late July. So it's a bit of a guesswork. We have to decide what goes in the vaccine uh, several months in advance. Uh, and we're usually right, luckily. Uh, and, uh, uh, but sometimes a, a virus can emerge after that decision is made, like last year, that looks different and acts different than the viruses in the vaccine. And when that happens, the vaccine can be less effective. Okay, and uh, just one last question. I, while I was doing research for this, I saw maybe some less than credible rumors online that they're coming out with a flu vaccine that actually will last for years. Is that true? Is it something that we can look forward to getting? I think you can look forward to getting it. When that will be, I don't know. There's, there's always been, uh, really, since we started giving flu vaccines back in the 40s and 50s, uh, there's always been a desire not to have to have an annual updated vaccine, uh, both logistically and cost-wise and just 
public health-wise, it's, it's a difficult vaccine program to do because you have to do it every single year. So there's always been a search for a vaccine that you could give once or every five years or something. And the, and the problem generally has been that flu viruses change so quickly that you, you have to change the vaccine to keep up with the virus, and that's one of the reasons we give it every single year. There is lots of research going on in these vaccines, which, which have been called universal vaccines because they, they, they are vaccines that conceptually could be given that would prevent any sort of flu you get and could be given uh, once every several years, and, and that immunity would last you for a while. Lots of good research. There's lots of promising vaccines out there, but we have several more years ago, I think, before uh, before we're going to have one. Mm, disappointing, <laughs> but looking forward to it. That's right. We are. Well, thanks so much. Thanks so much, guys. So that's our show. Higher World Works is produced by Jack Dillon. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply, and Popular Mechanics editor in chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And don't forget to check out our other show, The Most Useful Podcast Ever. And if you want to read more about the flu, germs, or anything else that'll make you concerned about all the public places you've been in this week, you should check out our website, popularmechanics.com podcasts. And while you're there, don't forget that you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics for just $13.99 for one year. I'm Kevin Deepsick. Thanks for listening. Thank you.